Good morning. Oh, you can do a little better than that. Good morning. It's good to see y'all today. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to East LJ Baptist Church. Here at East LJ, we are captivated by Christ. In Jesus, we have seen the glory of God in the grace of God, and he has captivated us. It is our prayer today that you too will see and embrace the beauty of Christ that we enjoy, and you will find yourself captivated by him as well. Got a few short notes to read to you on Father's Day. If your father is already in heaven, will you please take a stand? Father's already in heaven. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you so much and for honoring your father today. And for many of you, Father's Day is a bittersweet day. Bitter because you can't be with your father today. You miss him something terrible. But sweet because you can enjoy the memories that you have of him. As we honor our fathers today, we also remember those to whom Father's Day is a painful day. Men who long to be fathers but cannot for various reasons. Dads who are estranged from their children. Dads who have lost their children. Dads who live with little thanks or affection from their adult children. Women and men, boys and girls who have been wounded or abandoned by their fathers. And so this morning I want you to be encouraged, if that's you, by the deep and lasting love and mercy of our only perfect Father in heaven. And we want to read a scripture about that, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse number 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In verse 28, and we know that those who love God, God works all things together according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Y'all welcome Pastor Chad as he comes. Aren't y'all thankful that uh, you know that today? Are you sure that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ? God wants you to be sure, and we pray that you will be by the time you leave here today. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your love. You are the only perfect Father. Thank you for your love to us in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the certainty and security that we have in your love. Father, today we want to pray for um, our neighbors that need to know the love of a heavenly Father. Lord, make us faithful witnesses to them. Father, we pray for the nations who have yet to hear the name of Jesus, and we pray that you would send uh, your missionaries to them. God, raise up people from our midst to go. And Lord, today we pray for so many who are sick and, and some grieving. Today we pray, Lord, for Chris Jones. We thank you, Lord, for answered prayer for Roger Kincaid. And a good report this week. We continue to pray for the family of Kay Corn. Uh, we continue to pray for the Malinstra family. Uh, Lord, thank you um, for your, your grace to uh, Barbara Schull this week with her own health. We pray for her and her family as they uh, care for her husband now. Uh, Lord, we pray for um, Ricky Rogers, Trey's dad, and their family and, and um, the death of, of an uncle this week. Lord, we pray for the family of Beth Bice. Um, we lift up the Eller family. Lord, today we want to pray for Bill McKinley and Tina Martin, um, just for your healing hand, also for Teresa Roberts and Leonard Nixon. Thank you that baby Elizabeth Powell's doing better. Uh, and Lord, we just uh, praise you that we can lift all of these up to you today, knowing that you are a good, good father, and you are the great physician, as well as the God of all comfort. And so, Father, do what only you can do in each of these situations. Use us to minister and to love and serve these families as we have opportunity. Lord, thank you for each one that's here today. We know, Lord, that it's no mistake, it's no coincidence that we're all in this room together in this hour. And so, Father, we just still our hearts before you. We pray that by your Spirit you would speak to us in the way that only you can, each one, to each one of us individually, by the power of your word and the power of your spirit, that we might, Lord, be drawn closer to you and that Christ might be exalted more consistently and more clearly in our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand for just a moment and uh, greet one another. Just If you see somebody close by that you don't know, uh, introduce yourself to them. And we'll get uh, rolling in worship in just a few minutes.
Father, I thank you that as you do every day, call us into deeper waters than we can walk. Father, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that that's all part of your design, that we would be dependent on you, that we would rely on your power and the power of your spirit. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy to us in Christ that rescues us from sin's penalty but Lord gives us power even the power of the resurrection over sin in our daily lives thank you for the resurrected Christ our Savior who lives today and rules over all things who is our living hope and gives us hope in the middle of difficulty tragedy suffering even persecution Father, I thank you for the, your, your precious word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for telling us just how it was going to be and what we could expect and how we can be ready for all that comes our way, even until you come. And this morning, we long for your coming. We cry out with the Apostle Paul, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, show us how to wait and watch and walk in faithfulness until that day. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated and we will be dismissed to Children's Church. How many of you, as they're making their way out, looked up the little song we quoted the lyrics from last week called Fingertips and Noses? Anybody check that out this week? That's about what I figured, so let's check it out now uh, before we get started.
so clean. Is it possible that we have somehow been calmed down about the coming of Jesus? Dads, are your fingerprints and nose prints on the windows of your home as an example to your children of a man longing to see his Savior? You know, Jesus told us he's coming back. And just like that song said, if he said he's coming... He's coming, and we ought to be excited about that reality. I want to read from Matthew 24, Luke 21, and a little bit later on we'll check out Mark 13. So I'm going to ask you to stand so you stay alert and with me on this. This is a, a, a lengthy reading, but listen to this truth. This is Jesus telling us about his coming. Matthew 24, verse 3. All the scripture will be on the screen in front of you. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus had just told them, as they were talking about the beauty of the temple, he said, Not one stone of this temple will be left on top of another. And so they walk across the Kidron Valley up onto the Mount of Olives and begin to have this conversation where the disciples want to know when it will be and what will be the sign of his coming and the end of the age when 
the world comes to an end. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then... The end will come. Skipping down to verse 21 of that same chapter. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. And so also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all this has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things, that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And then back in Matthew 24, verse 36, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in a field, one will be taken and one left. 
Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, you would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servant and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may be seated. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. God is so good to tell us what's coming. We began to see this truth last week. The truth that Jesus' followers can be expectantly prepared confidently assured and perseveringly faithful to our Lord in these last days until he comes. That's what this passage, the Olivet Discourse, found in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13 is all about. Jesus wants us to get those three things, that we as Jesus' followers can be, as we saw last week, expectantly prepared. We can know what's coming and be ready. As we're going to see today, We can be confidently assured, confidently assured of what God will do for us in these last days. And then next week we'll look at the fact that we can be perseveringly faithful to our Lord even until he comes. Last week we talked about what this this text called the Olivet Discourse is not. We saw last week that this discourse is not about a timeline of end times events. This is not where Jesus gives dates and and, and makes it crystal clear for us so that that we, we can go ahead and put that day on the calendar and be prepared. This is not what that's about at all. You say, well, how can you say that? There's so many different details that are given in this text, and you would be correct in that. But Jesus himself told us in Matthew 24, 36, but concerning that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son. Jesus said, I don't even know, but the Father only knows when it will be, but it's going to be like it was in in Noah's day. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. You've been told that it's coming just like, they, just like Noah knew the flood would come and he told his, his world, but they all went on doing everything just like normal and they didn't know what day the rain would begin to fall. But when it began to fall, it was for so many who were not ready, who had not listened to, Moses, to Noah. And in this case, it will be that day on the end, at the end of time who have not listened to Jesus. That day will come when they least expect it. Jesus said, I don't even know when that day will be. I don't even know the hour only the Father knows. Spurgeon said this about that statement from Jesus. The hour of his appearing is not revealed 
in order that we may always stand on tiptoe, expecting it to be today. Fingertips and noses, whatever helps you think about this readiness for his coming, standing on your tiptoes, are you living that way? Or has somebody got to you with some eschatological explanation that's calmed you down so you're not standing on tiptoe anymore? You're not expecting his coming any moment. The Olivet Discourse, to quote a good friend of mine who I just call Barnabas, this is the, the one who, as I mentioned to you some time ago, uh, four months before I ever found out who this was, and even today continues on to write me anonymous letters just encouraging and, and applying the sermon to himself, said of this text, the Olivet Discourse is not a timeline, but a lifeline. That is the point. That is the point. Jesus is not trying to answer all our questions. He's trying to make us ready. He wants his followers to be expectantly prepared, confidently assured, and perseveringly faithful to him in these last days until he comes. We also saw last week that Jesus wants his you know, this is not a timeline, but we saw that Jesus wants his followers to be expectantly prepared. What does he want us to be prepared for? Well, last week we saw four things. Just real quickly, just going to list them. If you weren't here for that, you're going to have to go back and check out the message because we don't have time to do it all again. Jesus wants us to be expectantly prepared, in this case, for his disciples and his future followers like us. First of all, he wanted the disciples of that day to be ready for the destruction of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem. It would happen 40 years later, just like he said. And the fall of Jerusalem and the, the destruction, utter destruction of the temple, where not one stone was left on top of another, happened, just like Jesus said, and sealed the end of the old covenant and ushered in the beginning of the new covenant. It made it crystal clear. The temple and all of its sacrifices, they are no longer needed. There's a better covenant. There's a better priest. There's been a better sacrifice. His name is Jesus. And so Jesus wanted his followers to be ready for that. He also wanted them to be prepared for false messiahs and teachers. They had them in that day. We got them today. And before Jesus comes, at the end, there'll be many people who say, you, you, many of us have lived and, and remember uh, people like Harold Camping where they've thrown out dates of this is the day Jesus is going to come back. Now, here's my thing. If you know anything about the Bible, why would you ever do that when you know Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour? Don't understand that. But anyway, people do it. And what's crazy is people listen to them. So false messiahs, false teachers, we need to be ready for those. Also, we need to be ready, expectantly prepared for persecution. Jesus just says, look, here's, here's what's going to happen. After I go, if you love me, you're going to be hated by the world. Because, as he says in another place, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. You love me, you follow me, you live like I lived. You talk about me, you tell the world that I'm their only hope for salvation. Just know you're going to be opposed, you're going to be persecuted. Expect it. Be expectantly prepared for it. And finally, and you, you can remember as we just read some of this, we need to be prepared, expectantly prepared for global upheaval. There's going to be some wild things happen in the cosmos, if you will. There's going to be some wild things happening around the globe. Perhaps some of these wild things have already begun. I don't know. Earthquakes, famine, 
There's some of that going on worldwide today if you pay attention to anything but the American news, right? I mean, it's all over the world. Church suffers all over the world. Lots of these things perhaps have already begun to happen. And Jesus said, be expectantly prepared for this, for all of this. Just know this is part of the plan. It has to happen before the end comes. And so we see that Jesus' followers can be because he's prepared us, expectantly prepared. What I want us to talk about this morning is simply this. Jesus wants his followers to be confidently assured. You know, we live in a world that is seemingly, it seems to me, increasingly fearful. Is that, is that your experience? Does that, that make sense when I say that? Uh, things are crazy. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. People all around us are afraid. Sadly, people even in the church are afraid because the, our, our, our nation's spinning so out of control. And yet, hear me, Jesus does not want his church of all people on the planet to be fearful. He wants you and me, his children, to be confidently assured. And he wants you to be confidently assured by five realities. There's five things that we're going to see in this passage that he wants you to, to rest your, 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 your confidence and your assurance in. First of all, Jesus wants you to be confidently assured by the mercy of God. Our God is a merciful God. And his mercy is still at work in this world. In Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, I'm just of the opinion that I'm not sure we're going to know when that moment happens. It's probably going to happen before we think it's going to happen. Uh, around here at East LJ, every Sunday morning, with the exception of this morning, <laughs> and days like today, we pray for an unreached people group. Well, probably we're going to still be praying for an unreached people group one day, and they're going to have been reached. It's a big old world, right? The last people group is going to hear the gospel one day, and when that happens, Jesus says, then the end will come. But this statement is a statement of the mercy of God. Every nation will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the mercy of God. And Jesus wants us to be confidently assured by the mercy of God. Do you remember 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 10? In this context, there were people in Peter's day who were saying, Jesus said he's coming back. Where's he at? At this point, it had only been not that many decades, just a few decades perhaps. And they're like, yeah, right, he's coming back. They were getting, beginning, believers in that day were beginning to doubt. Peter says in 2 Peter 3, verse 8, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Skipping down to verse 15 of 2 Peter 3, Peter says, count the patience of our Lord 
as salvation. God wants us, Jesus wants his followers to be confidently assured of the mercy of God. Why is Jesus, as from our perspective, taking his sweet time about coming back? Because our God is merciful and patient. And he would that none should perish. Uh, we should see the, the lengthiness in our minds of how long it's been since Jesus left this earth. How long he's tarrying before he comes back as nothing more than the mercy and patience of God. And aren't you who know him today thankful that he was merciful enough to wait till after you came to know him? And so just praise his name. He's doing that for the nations. He's doing that for your neighbors. Be confidently assured by the mercy of our God for a world of sinners. And by the way, guess what our job is in the middle of all that? It's to be an ambassador of mercy, of his mercy, in getting the good news of Jesus to our neighbors as well as to the nations. You want to speed up his coming? Then get after it with the gospel. Amen? If it were possible to speed it up, from a human perspective, then the faster you get your neighbors the gospel and the nations hear the gospel, then the sooner, according to Jesus, he'll come back. I understand it's not real in time like that, but here's what I understand. As soon as the last nation hears, then the end will come. Then the end will come. Secondly, be confidently assured not only of the mercy of God, by the mercy of God, but be confidently assured of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Luke 21, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, of the occasion when we are brought before governors and, and authorities, the, the, those times when we are arrested and thrown in prison, Jesus says in Luke 21, 14, settle it therefore in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Okay, so Jesus is about to go to the cross, 48 hours, less than 48 hours from the time he's speaking these words. <clears throat> we know he's going to die. He'll be buried three days. On the third day, he'll rise from the dead. He'll be on earth about 50 days, and then he'll ascend to heaven. How could he say that I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand? Don't even, don't even think about it. Don't, don't prepare a speech. Just know I'll give you the words to say. How could he say that when he's going to be on the throne and today is on the throne in heaven? It's explained more fully in Mark 13. Mark's account of the same thing, verse 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. The way Jesus could say that he would give us the words is the fact that his spirit indwells us. And in that moment, when in the middle of our persecution, in the middle of our suffering, we have an opportunity to speak a word of witness, to tell people the gospel of Christ. The spirit of Jesus himself will give us words. Man. Does that not give you confidence? Does that not bolster your assurance? We can be confidently assured by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus lives in us. We're not alone. How can we as those people in this world 
watch the news and freak out. Has Jesus left us? Just because it's 6 o'clock and, and, and Channel 5 is on the TV, does that mean Jesus isn't home? Has he left us? Is he no longer in control? Can he not sustain us? Can he not? I mean, I mean just think of what he says. Don't rehearse your speech. You will be given the words. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be such a good sermon in that moment. Nobody will be able to contradict you. Just so you know, I mean, I study a lot every time I preach. Trey, don't you? You studied for Sunday school lesson this morning, right? I, I, mean, I mean, this seems so counterintuitive. We, I mean, we put hours into a message like this. Jesus says, you're going to preach your best sermon in that hour when I just in the moment give you the words to speak. And nobody will be able to dispute with you. Jesus promises the power of his spirit will be at work in you and in me. Do you believe that? Hey, Dad, how about you? Do you believe that? Even as we have opportunity to witness through our suffering, we are not alone. You remember Jesus told us that himself in another place in Matthew 28, 20. At the end of the Great Commission, he just told us to go make disciples of all nations. How does he end that whole thing? Go make disciples. Teach them everything I've taught you. Baptize them. And he ends with this. This word of comfort. This, this word that gives us confidence and assurance. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're never to be seeking to fulfill the Great Commission on our own. And by the way, we're never doing it alone. He is with us by His Spirit. And He wants you to be confidently assured of the power of His Spirit in you. Thirdly, though, He wants us to be confidently assured by the sovereignty of our Father. Mark 13, verse 20 is where we see this. In the context, Jesus is telling them about the awfulness of that final period of tribulation, the the final... um, period before Jesus returns it's going to be awful Jesus says as we read earlier there will never have been a time like this and there never will be again it'll be the worst time of tribulation whatever that means in all of its fullness that we've ever seen and in Mark 13 20 Yet Jesus gives us this, and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, that would be you if you know Jesus today, for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. It's already been determined. When we think we can't live any longer in the tribulation and the, and, and the suffering of those days, he is going to cut it short for our sake. I'm a child of the king. He's going to cut it short for me. Now some of you are quick and you're already churning. We're just going to take a a, a second here. And and what you're thinking is, oh, so you're saying something about the tribulation period. You're you're actually fixing to give us your your perspective on that. Yeah, in passing. If you want to argue about it, we'll have to do that another time. There's nothing in this text that seems to indicate to me that we will not be there 
for the duration of the tribulation described by Jesus. We will be there. But for the sake of the elect, he will cut that time short. And again, in that, God wants you, Jesus wants you to be confidently assured by the sovereignty of our Father. It's going to be bad. But here's what you can know. It's not out of control. It is under the sovereign direction, hear me, of our Father's hand. And there'll be moments we don't understand why or why so long. And yet our Father is good. He proved that once and for all in sending his son to die for us. Amen? That's weak. He proved that once and for all in sending his son to die for us. Amen? Amen. Is there ever a reason to doubt his love? No. And nothing, remember Romans 8? Nothing. Nothing. Not even the greatest of the tribulation time will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, you're to be confidently assured, Jesus says, by the sovereignty of your Father. The Lord will cut it short for us. Romans 8, 28 to 30, we read it, Trey read it earlier. <coughs> Paul says, we know that for those who love God, God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among, among many brother, brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Through even the tribulations of this life, God refines us and, and, and makes us more like Jesus. The day we trusted Jesus as our Savior, he justified us once and for all, right? Declared us righteous before the holy bar of God forever, eternally declared righteous. Every day of our lives, he is making us more and more like Jesus. He is sanctifying us, conforming us more and more into the image of his Son. And all through whatever tribulation may come, however long we may live in this world, that's what he's doing but notice what Paul says, those he justified, he also glorified. Past tense. Well, you're looking at me, and I'm looking at you. And what's crystal clear is ain't none of us glorified yet. Amen. I'm just as ugly as I was last Sunday. How can he say it's already a done deal? those he justified he also glorified because our God is sovereign and if he justified you hear me he will glorify you he will get you home you're to be confidently assured of the sovereignty of our father it gives us comfort in the middle of even the worst of suffering and trials fourthly this morning be confidently assured by the certainty of his return in glory and power. Now, let me just I'm gonna tell you, y'all need to know this. The next five to ten minutes or so, I just need you to understand something. This is shouting ground. I mean, I mean, this is where it's okay just, just to say amen. This, it's okay to get a little excited because we're talking about Jesus coming back directly. We're going to be all over it. You're going to hear him talking about it. You're going to hear Paul talking about it. And I'm just telling you, it ought to get you excited. Dads, I'm, I'm firmly convinced, before we read this, this, these, these passages that I'm fixing to, to fly through, by the way, 
One of the greatest things you can do for your kids as, as, as a dad is really believe that Jesus is coming back and act like it. And let's just go ahead and say it. You know why, you know why our, the kids of Christians all across this country are growing up and, and they think this stuff we're talking about today is just a joke, like it's just a fairy tale? Because their dad did. Their mom did. Whatever. What a responsibility we bear. Jesus wants you to be confidently assured by the certainty of his return in glory and power. So, y'all ready? Everybody awake? Wave at me if you're awake. Okay, very important that you're awake for this. Okay, here we go. Matthew 24, 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Why are they mourning? Because they're in trouble. They don't know Jesus, and he's coming back. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. But here's the good part. This is about us. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That's going to happen to us one day if we're still here when he comes. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And you know what you're supposed to do with that? Verse 18, therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's what Jesus is doing in all that discourse. That's what this message is all about is to encourage you. He is coming back and he's going to take you home. And once he comes and gets us, we'll never not be with him ever again. I have no idea if any of that grammar works but it's good. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-11 For God has not destined us for wrath, praise his name, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, guess what? What are you supposed to do with it? Encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Hey, when's the last time you reminded somebody that Jesus is still coming back? You know why you didn't? Because you're too grown up for your own good. Same reason it's been a while for me. I'm not fingertips and noses like I ought to be. Now, next week we're going to talk about being faithful. We're not just to stand around waiting for Jesus to come. That would not be faithful. But man, we ought to be like those kids in that song. Even as we're faithful. Because he's coming. He's coming. 2 Peter 3, verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting. What are we waiting for? What are we to expect next? Peter, tell us how this is going to come down. We are waiting According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is your hope. That's where we're going to spend eternity, right there. Hello? Are you still awake? This is one of them shouting moments I mentioned to you a while ago. You're not destined for wrath. You're waiting for... The new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
So here's how it's going to come down based on my understanding of Scripture. And feel free to disagree. Feel free to be wrong. <clears throat> However, I'm, I'm just joking. That was a joke. Sorry. It was a bad end times joke. Sorry. Here's the way I see it happening. We're going to be here until Jesus comes back. And when he comes back, he's going to gather up his people and will never leave his presence ever again. And then he's going to judge the earth. And in the moment of the judgment, there'll be a recreation. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know how to explain what's going to happen. But he's going to burn up this current world with fire and recreate the new heavens and the new earth. And it is in that world that we will live forever. What I hope is ours. I just said it. He will pour out his wrath. The very wrath of God when he comes to and it's important to just hear God's word on this for just, just a second. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 4. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It isn't interesting that, that he picks this picture up again. We just Jesus said that, didn't he? All of that discourse. Before you ever left this earth, he said, hey, hey I want you to be ready. And here's the deal. You need to be ready. You need to be watching because it's going to come when you don't expect it. Not even the Son of Man knows when it's coming. It's going to come like a thief in the night. By the way, what do thieves come for? To hang out with you and get to be your friend and, 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 and bless your home? For destruction. For destruction. While people are saying there's peace and security, does this not sound like the days of Noah, by the way? Guess where, they, guess where Peter got this? Paul got this. Jesus. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction, sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. In other words, Paul could say that because he knew Jesus had said what he said in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. Be expectantly prepared. Be confidently assured. Be perseveringly faithful. You can be ready when I come. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 10. It's, there, are, there are not words to describe what the wrath of God will look like in that day. But in 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That is the destiny of those who reject Jesus. It's the destiny of your neighbors, of your family members, and of the nations. That's what he's going to do. Verse 10, though, notice, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. That's also what he's going to do. And to be marveled at among all who have believed. We're going to marvel at him. Man, we're going, we just think we have a grasp of his beauty today. It is going to blow our minds and our hearts wide open when we see him. To be marveled at among all who believe because our testimony to you was believed. Be confidently assured by the certainty 
of His return in glory and power. You can be confidently assured no matter what comes down the pipe if you're convinced He's coming back for you. Do you really believe it? Finally, be confidently assured by the certainty of Jesus' words. Much quicker point. <clears throat> Very simple and straightforward. Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, Mark, in, in, in Mark's account, these, these words are added, will by no means pass away. Matthew and Luke just says my words will not pass away. In, in Mark, my words, Jesus said. Heaven and earth, yep, they're going to pass away. They're going to pass away in the judgment. But my words will by no means pass away. Everything that... I've showed you that Jesus is saying to you this morning, it's going to happen. Jesus cannot lie to us. What Jesus said will happen. As the song said, if he said he'd come, he's coming. Be confidently assured by the certainty of Jesus' words. Dads, and if you ain't figured this out yet, I'm not just talking to dads. I'm just, we're just continuing on in our Luke study, and I'm applying it to dads. It applies to all of you. It applies to me. But as dads, are you standing on tiptoe, expectantly prepared for, and confidently assured of Jesus' soon return? Are you? 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9, can, can you say this is you? Peter said of his readers, he said, Though you have not seen him, that is Jesus, you love him. Is that you today? Anybody ever seen Jesus? Nope. But though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In this context, it's the second coming of Jesus. Shocker. He's talking about Jesus coming back, and he said, man, you're, the way you're living between here and there is you've never seen Jesus, but you love him. You don't see him right now. He's coming. You're going to see him one day. But till you see him face to face, you're filled with a joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. It's the joy the Holy Spirit gives, and it's the, it's, 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 it's the assurance. It's, it's, the, it's the, 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 the certainty and the, the seal of the fact that you, in fact, will see him face to face one day. Is this living hope shaping the way you think, the way you talk, the way you live? Is this, as Paul would say in another place, this blessed hope being passed on to our children as they watch us live on tiptoe? Fingertips and noses to the window, thus radically different practically in the day-to-day -day from the world around us. You know what? If you really believe he's coming back for you, it will change your life. It will. It'll change how you spend your time. It'll change how you spend your money. It'll change your perspective on what's really important in life. If he could come back at any moment. And if when he comes, he's coming back for you take you home it'll change the way you see all the circumstances of your life even suffering because Jesus said you remember we read it earlier 
that moment is the moment by design, even in suffering, for your witness. Like God, your Father, orchestrates your circumstances so they're hard, so that in the moment you, in the middle of the difficulty, can be a witness, because in that moment your, 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 your testimony, your, 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 your message will be more powerful, because how can you have peace when you're suffering? Because Jesus lives and he's coming back for me. Jesus' followers can be expectantly prepared, confidently assured, and as we'll see next Sunday, perseveringly faithful to our Lord in these last days, even until he comes. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being so good to us and through your Son telling us what to expect, how to be ready. And for the comfort you give us, this assurance you give us of all that you'll do for us during all that is yet to come. Thank you that we're never alone. Thank you that our Father is sovereign over all things. Thank you that these days are long until you come because you're a merciful God with the nations and our neighbors just like you were with us. And thank you, Jesus, that all of this that you've said to us will happen. Not one of your words will pass away. But everything you've told us will come to pass. Glorify your name in our lives, we pray. God, I pray that you would help me I pray that my wife and children would know that I really believe Jesus is coming back. That it would show. That I would respond to situations in such a way that it was clear that fact of Jesus' return makes a difference in the way I think about this. In the choice I make about that. And whether or not I buy that. And whether or not I go there. And whether or not I say this. And God, I pray it for all of us as fathers. For you're worthy. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together as we close in song.
Jeremy. Pastor Chad, I've got a song in my heart, and if, I, if we don't sing it, I'm going to bust. All right. Let's sing. I look around me. I see prophecies fulfilling.
you did go ahead and sing that. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Y'all sang that when we were talking to y'all, didn't you? And they got my vote when they did. <laughs> One of my favorite songs, man. Thank you guys for that. And uh, what, a, what a sweet truth right from God's Word in First Thessalonians. Okay, so just a few quick announcements before we dismiss. First of all, there are journals on the back table for five of our retiring Sunday school teachers. Some of these folks have taught Sunday school for over 40 years. And so please, there are names out there, and, and just express your, your gratitude uh, to Mr. Mr. Bobby, Miss Bobby, Freddie, Miss um, Mary, Miss Karen. Um, that's five. All right, good. Uh, they're all out there. Make sure you express that. And so these journals, you write in them. It's a note of encouragement, a note of love, a note of thanks. And then they get to keep this journal with all these notes from you and be encouraged uh, in the years to come. So thank you guys for that. There'll be no crowd to Jesus' prayer service tonight. We pray uh, you have a great time with your fathers and families today. Vacation Bible School is this Saturday, 10 a.m., to 2.30 p.m. The decorating schedule for this week is as follows. Monday and Tuesday, there'll be people here at the church decorating from 10 a.m. to 12.30 noon, right around noon. Monday and Tuesday, 10, 10 to 12.30. And then Wednesday through Friday in the evenings, 6.30 to 8.30. Wednesday through Friday, 6.30 to 8.30. So if you can come help decorate during any of those times, there'll be folks here doing that. And so we appreciate your help. Also, as the church seeks to update its database and its directory information, uh, please complete your profile update. There are sheets provided on the pews. Uh, you would, should have also received, if you're, if you're part of our, uh, connected in our, through, the, through our app and, and online uh, communications, uh, an email. You can also respond that way. Um, and so we need your, your information. And, and what we'd like to eventually be able to do is for you to be able to take your phone out and have a church directory on your phone, essentially, where you can look up people by picture or by name and get their information and how to contact them. So it takes less than five minutes to do that, so appreciate your help. If you're not sure how to do that on your phone, grab a form, turn that into Miss Juliana, and we'll get you all worked out. Are there any other announcements or further announcements on anything that we need to talk about? We just need all parents to go and register their kids for Bible school. Um, we've got a lot of outsiders signed up, but very few insiders, and we need to know that ahead of time. So we just, we just are asking you, before you leave the grounds today, go ahead and take your phone out, register those kids. We appreciate it. We know you're going to be here. We just need to know that we know you're going to be here, and that way we can be fully prepared and have everything ready for the correct number uh, on Saturday. If there, not, no, mm, if there are no other announcements... Brother Jim, will you dismiss us in prayer today?